Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Um, Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You, what you're, what you're doing is actually really interesting to me, and kind of something that um, I think is really useful to a lot of people. But maybe before we kind of get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and kind of cover your background and kind of where you grew up. Sure. Uh, well, as it relates to growing up, I'm I'm kind of uh, one of those international kids. I was born in Germany, lived in the UK, lived in France, came to the US when I was fairly young. Um, and you know, spent most of my life in Southern California. Um, professionally, I've always really been a product guy. Um, I studied economics in college. When I graduated, I went to work in aerospace. Uh, got to work on fascinating research projects that most people don't get to, uh, types of technology most people don't get to actually know about. Um, but realized that big companies were totally different animals than the type of, you know, the, the type of thing that I wanted to deal with. So uh, after a couple of years, it was difficult to leave, but I jumped into internet technology, and I've been building product businesses within technology companies for probably the last 15 years. Um, I was at a company called Epic, where I re-engineered a variety of their product lines to profitability. That company was subsequently um, acquired. Uh, I went to a company called Foundstone, and was one of the first product hires there, where we led information security um, software development. Uh, with vulnerability assessment, testing, and things like that within the, in the software space. That company was acquired by McAfee. Uh, I started my first company, a company called NT Objectives, that focused on application security. Uh, so as you can tell, I spent a good bit of time in the information security world. Uh, I ran that company for about five years and realized that, that B2, uh, the B2B um, enterprise technology was just not something I was too passionate about. Um, I was able to uh, leave that company. My co-founders ran that until it had been subsequently acquired not long ago. Uh, and during my sort of wandering through uh, the desert, you know, I kind mm -hmm. of realized the things I wanted to work on were things that were more relevant to me. Um, and ultimately, that led me to start Unity. Okay. So I guess, like, what, what is Unity and kind of what was the inspiration behind why you started it? Sure. Well, the inspiration was pretty simple. It was born out of necessity. Um, Unity essentially is trying to change computing. Okay. Uh, Unity is about making all of the content you've ever bought or created your whole life instantly available on every device you have as if it's stored there. Uh, the, the impetus really was this realization that if you look back about 10 years or so, really before the advent of the smartphone, Computing was a productivity task. You used to go to the computer to go do something, like write an email or create a document or something like that. But it's very task-specific. And since, since the smartphone market has grown to become virtually ubiquitous around the world, computing has totally changed. People compute now all day, every day, for every single reason. Sure. And this has resulted in people becoming multi-device users, right? Especially in the U.S., you look at a lot of people and say, well, it's a consumer society. They just buy lots of stuff. The reality is, is that we don't have lots of devices because we want to buy things. We have lots of devices because they're contextually relevant to different things we're doing or different situations throughout the day. Totally. So if you're walking down the street and you want to find a restaurant, you don't go grab a laptop. You grab your smartphone. Yep. Uh, likewise, if you want to write, let's say, a blog post or create a proposal, you want a keyboard and a bigger screen. So the way that we've 
that we now compute has fundamentally changed. We use different devices at different times. And while computing has gotten better, it's fast, it's beautiful, computers have loads of features, they're more or less built the exact same way they were 10 years ago. When I use a device, content gets stuck. Yep. Uh, and the operating system only really cares about that. So we've seen growth in, in, in uh, sectors of tech like online storage, which were really thought to be uh, the holy grail, if you will, of how we solve this. We put a hard drive in the sky, and that then gives us access. And, and really before starting Unity, that, that was really the course I took. I was just going to put all of my stuff in the online storage, sure, and then I'd have access to everything. Of course, the problem is, is that A, it's expensive. B, it's quite complicated. You always have to manage it and make sure things get in there. But really the Achilles heel with online storage was that it didn't care about all of my media libraries, like my iTunes catalog yep. or my Adobe Lightroom catalog. Sure. Because those are those are database-driven applications. And if you put that into online storage, it has no idea what it is. So if you want to browse your music, for example, the way that you do PDFs or Word documents, it works great. But if you want to access your music the way you're accustomed to, let's say, in iTunes, where you listen to an artist or a genre or a playlist or with your photos, you go to a photo album, they just don't understand what those things were. So that, that was really the goal behind Unity was not to compete in a world of, of big storage companies, but to change the access model of how, how we browse and access all of our content regardless of where it was stored. Sure. Okay. So when you say regardless of where it's stored, um, what does that mean exactly? Well, the typical user has, in general, especially in the U.S., uh, you know, on average, over 80% of the population has two, at least two computers and at least a smartphone. Sure. Uh, more and more so, this is including a tablet these days. Yeah. And the typical frustration people have is content is fragmented across devices. Some of it's on the laptop. Some of it's on the desktop. Some's on the phone. Some's on the tablet. And the act of, of you know, what we call synchronizing all of this is, is difficult, if not impossible. To us, the, the issue is not a lack of storage, right? Our, our belief is, is that everyone has more than enough storage. If your computer runs out of storage, my, my guess is, is you either go buy a hard drive or you buy a new computer. Right? Yep. No one just gives up on computing at that point. Sure, yeah. There's, really no, there's no shortage of storage. The problem is, is that the storage is disassociated from different devices. If there's a hard drive on your laptop, it's not connected to the one on the desktop. So we don't care if content stored on a computer or if it's stored in an online storage account. The, the patents that we've, we've been able to obtain and the technology we build readdresses files you have from hard drives to identities so that all of your content is yours. Instead of it being tied to the hard drive or the device that you use, it's now tied to you individually. And by doing that, we can unify content across all the devices you have, even if one device is Windows, the other is Mac, one is iOS. And with the launch of our Android app later this month, uh, Android as well. So if you have heterogeneous different platforms that you use um, and you have different amounts of storage and different content and different devices, Unity can unify all of this and give you access to it because we tie content to your identity instead of a hard drive. Okay, so in, in the background and, and without getting kind of too technical, so if I have like a Mac, an iPad, and a smartphone, it syncs all the content into the cloud? Or, or how does that kind of work? So at the moment, uh, what Unity does is it, is it gleans all of the content on each of those devices. Okay. It makes it 
basic things like what is the file name, right? What is the file type? Is it an image? Is it a song? Uh, but then what it does is it mines additional data out of it and starts looking at things like, okay, it was a photo. What camera did you shoot it with? Okay. Is it in any photo albums in your applications? So we now understand all the types of content you have and what are, how have you curated that content? Over 90% of the content people have is media, music, sure. photos, or videos. Yep. We have so much media that we use applications like Apple Photos or Adobe Lightroom to organize photos or iTunes to organize music. Yep. So what, what happens is, is that curation is how you've, how you've organized content so you can discover and access it. What Unity does is it, is it learns about all of that via the, the creation of metadata so that it can, then, it can then build a single user interface on every device you have so you can access it and stream it individually from those devices. So it's very peer-to-peer. -peer. It's connecting devices together so they share their content so that they can access each other's content from a single UI. Okay, interesting. So can I share that content as well with, with others, or is it just tied to me personally? You can share with others, um, and it's done in a, in a somewhat different way. With Unity, when I share, let's say, um, let's say my favorite new album with you that I just sure. downloaded on iTunes, I'm not actually giving it to you. I'm letting you stream it from my computer. Oh, interesting. Uh, if, if, if you share, let's say, a GoPro video with me, which is quite hard. GoPros shoot incredibly high-resolution video, and those are big files. Sure. Uh, those, those files are hard to even synchronize to the cloud because, well, you have to have a lot of storage. It takes a lot of time. Um, and, and oftentimes, people don't want to download those. They just want to look at your video and not necessarily own it. With Unity, if you share that video with me, I get a simple notification on my, my smartphone, uh, and I stream that from your computer. Okay, interesting. So do I have to have my computer on then, or is it, even if my computer's offline, is it fine? Right now, the computers have to be on. It's because we're having peer-to-peer, we're creating peer-to-peer -peer connections between devices. They're streaming in real time as you access things. We do make it to where if you know your computer will be off, you can download your content. So if you're going to, let's say, get on a flight or go to a rural area, you can download some music or movies or documents that you need. Uh, but ultimately, our plan uh, this year and subsequently uh, in the next several months is to announce the first of several partnerships with online storage companies where our goal is to increase the value of their services by, A, reducing that complexity by putting all of your content into online storage, but then, B, letting you access that content while maintaining that organization that you have. Uh, like I said before, if you put an iTunes catalog in, let's say, Dropbox, it doesn't know what it is. All sure. it needs is a database. Yeah. But with Unity, we understand what that catalog is. We can still let you browse your music by artists, by playlists, things like that, uh, but stream it from a source like an online storage account that is always on and never turned off. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's actually really cool. And that that's kind of what, um, when we first chatted months ago, um, that's what really appealed to me about your platform is because I, I've been basically struggling with this issue for a number of years and I haven't sorted it out and I'm in the tech space and so I, I, and I know this is a huge issue for, for tech people and non-tech people and kind of everybody in between, right? Because, yeah, like I have stuff in Google Drive, I have stuff in Dropbox and the I need to clean it up because sometimes I can't find stuff in there and you're right, like I put certain things in there and the computer has no idea, or those services have no idea what 
what the files are in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you're describing is what most people do. They, most people do not pay for their online storage services. We, we all have a whole variety of ones that have whatever amount of free storage we're able to get from them. And so, of course, this, this means that our content's not only fragmented across the devices we have, it also ends up getting fragmented across all these different services that we sure. use. So, you know, a problem that was bad to some degree you know, got worse. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that simply don't want these vendors to have their content because of privacy or security concerns. Yep. And that's one, that's one of the main appealing things, I think, to not to using Unity without online storage is, is that it's entirely private. We never touch your data. We don't, we don't store any, we don't have storage servers. We don't have data about you or data about your files. Forget getting hacked if someone just went to the data center and took all of our servers and they crack the encryption on all of them. Ultimately, the only thing they're really going to get is your email address, which is a username to your Unity account. Okay, and most it's not really that hard to get somebody's email address if you really exactly. want it, right? So you're right. Yeah. No, that that's really interesting. So when you add kind of these storage services, how is that going to kind of like? Are, are is it going to make it pretty clear for the user that like, okay, now you're we're pulling data from kind of Dropbox or Google Drive. Or is it kind of up to the user to manage that? Or, or how are you guys kind of handling that, going to handle that? Well, so obviously if we do integrations with online storage, it's very opt-in, right? There's, nothing happens automatically. We don't, we don't just take your content and put it anywhere. Sure. Uh, so to us, it's the opportunity in a very contextually relevant way that if you try to access something that, let's say, is stored on your laptop and it's in your backpack. Okay. You can't. That laptop's off. It's not connected to the Internet. Sure. Uh, we can access content that is on a computer that's sleeping or hibernating, but not if it's effectively turned off. So at that point, users can decide, you know what, I, I don't want to experience this again. If my laptop is in my backpack, as it frequently is, I want to make sure I can still access my stuff. You can enable Unity to manage all of your content going into an online storage service. Okay. So we box it all up. We store it there. You never have to lift a finger. You don't have to configure it or organize it. You don't have to remember that if you do something, you got to put it there. And we'll pull it from there if we need to access it because another device is off. Okay. So it's very simple and it's very trans it's very transparent in the sense the user does not need to do anything. Okay. Um, in the sense that, that to, to enable such functionality, you certainly have to opt in and choose to do it. And ultimately, uh, it, it, as is going to be the case uh, universally, you're going to have to pay for the storage. We're sure. not going to sell it. It's not going to be something that we offer. We don't want anyone's content, quite frankly, um, for a whole variety of reasons. As I mentioned earlier, I sure. spent quite a while in the information security industry, and I sleep much better at night knowing that we have nothing that can get taken. So sure. we'll never be a storage company. We're, in fact, an access company, and that's what we think we're pretty good at. No, sure, and that makes a lot of sense. Like I pay for both Dropbox and Google Drive, just and I share store different stuff on both of those. and. It's kind of stupid, but I sometimes like I, I basically have they're cloned almost of each other for the most part, um, but that's a whole other issue. So I I, I get that I, I totally get what you guys are doing, and I, I think it's really useful for people. So kind of like walk me through as kind of a non technical user, how do I go from basically like downloading the app? to getting my my stuff on devices like just kind of walk the user through so I have to put it on my desktop and then I get the iOS and then um, eventually or Android app and and then just kind of walk through through that process 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and, but it's, it's very, very simple in the sense that, that we built Unity for typical people who don't really like software. So there's no configuration or management. Okay. Uh, you simply go to our website, www.getunity.com. Okay. So admittedly, it's spelled a little weird with Y-O-U-N-I-T-Y. -Y. Uh, you download our desktop software. When you install it, essentially the first thing it does is it starts looking through and indexing all of your hard drive. Right, so by default, it looks at everything under your user account. So if it's Kevin Horick slash, and then the, the desktop folder, the documents folder, music, pictures, things like that, we completely ignore system files. So okay. we'll never be looking at the operating system or other esoteric types of files or, or parts of directories and things like that. So Unity will go and discover all the content, and then it starts analyzing that content, and it stores all this metadata on that computer. Okay. So if you install it on your laptop, that stays on your laptop. You install it on your desktop, it also stays on that desktop. And, and the interesting thing about Unity is, is that you can install it on multiple computers, and it'll ultimately merge and unify all of this content into one view on your phone. Okay. So once it's done, it's scanning, and that depends. The, the duration depends on how much stuff you have. On my iMac at home, I've got about 1.3 terabytes of files. It's something like maybe 80 to 100,000 files. It takes about 30 minutes. 20, oh, wow. 20, That's 20 pretty minutes. quick, actually. It's pretty fast. Um, you know, we, we try and do it as quick as possible because uh, people are impatient. Sure. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be, you know, making that machine do some work so that we can do it that quickly. Sure. Uh, but once that's done, essentially Unity just sits there and listens and waits for, let's say, you to install Unity on your iPhone. Um, you register with your account. And at that point, it's going to ask for the metadata that are on your computers. So all of this is, is typically peer-to-peer -peer, uh, unless your network is really poor. And if so, then we run it through a, what's called a relay server, which is encrypted. So from your computer to your phone, there is an SSL connection. All of the metadata goes right to your phone, and your phone now knows everything on all those computers. And you can browse it at once. You don't have to choose, do I want to look at content on the laptop or the desktop? And it doesn't matter if one computer is Windows and one is Mac. You have one single view, and when you try to access, let's say, a song, it'll stream that song on demand. It'll instantly make it available. And if it's a type of, let's say, uh, music format that an iPhone doesn't play, on the fly, it'll transcode it to some format that is compatible with your iPhone. And this whole process takes anywhere from, you know, one to, you know, if you're on the same network, it's about one second. If you're, let's say, your computer is in San Francisco and you're in Japan, it'll maybe take three seconds for that song to start playing. It's very, very quick and optimized essentially to understand what type of file is, is, are, is Kevin trying to stream and, and what type of device is he streaming it to. That's awesome. So like, I, I guess a big use case for a lot of people I think would be being able to access their iTunes library while they're in their car driving around just through like a cell phone can, or a cell phone tower connection. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the easiest example that I think all of us relate to is, is you know, typically you buy a bunch of, of, of music, let's say, you have this big catalog, and you have your phone, and it doesn't fit at all, sure. right? I mean, you yep. only, most phones get filled up with photos and apps and all kinds of stuff. So ultimately, you know, and I always do this every time I get a new iPhone, I ask everyone at the Apple store, hey, how often do you guys have to just move things from one place to the other because no one has ever synced their phone? Sure. And, and it's, it's, you know, always like 80 to 90% of people. No one syncs their phone. Nope. So with Unity, the best way of looking at it, you never need to, right? Everything is available to you on demand. You simply open Unity, 
and yeah, your whole music collection is there. Uh, you know, you all of a sudden some song pops into your head that you hear on the radio, and you think, wow, I've been listening to that since college. I want to listen to that album right now. And you have it on your computer. You just listen to it. Or if you're hanging out with friends and you're talking about how great the snowboarding trip is and they want to see video, no problem. You just All that GoPro video or whatever high-res video that you put back on your computer that won't fit on your phone, just stream it to your phone. Or quite frankly, if you want to, just share it with them so they can see it on their phone. Or, you know, if you're at a family member's house, and you know, I do this all the time. My kids want to watch one of their movies, but we're at someone else's house. I just open up Unity and I send it to the TV if there's an Apple TV there. Um, and they get to watch their movie, and I don't have to worry about carting around, you know, whether it's all the videos or the photos or all the music that we're pretty much continuously trying to access. Sure. So I'm curious then just to kind of a question around the movie space, and you kind of mentioned this earlier. So I have kids and you have kids. Um, when you're traveling then, do you just pin a bunch of movies to, I don't know, their iPad or something for for the plane ride from – Unity? Yeah, that's what I do. And typically, okay. and, and, and it, you know, the way that we do this, it's even like last minute. It was, uh, you know, I, I just flew up to San Francisco. I was on the tarmac. Sure. Um, as I was on tarmac, of course, what always happens, like the Wi-Fi is broken on our flight. So <laughs> I don't want to listen to music. So, I, you know, I quickly opened up Unity. I downloaded five albums, right? Okay, yeah. Um, it took something like maybe a minute and a half to get wow. all five of those albums to download to my phone. Uh, when my kids are getting on flights, I regularly just download whatever movies it is that they want. Um, and because we optimize the content for the device, you know, I, I don't need the movie that's designed for my big flat screen TV in my, my living room. Sure. I don't need that on their iPad mini, right? They, yep. they can have a smaller version of it. So Unity will transcode it into a small version. It gets to their iPad very quickly. And, and as soon as they're, we're, we're down on a flight and they don't want it stored locally anymore because, of course, it's taking up storage. Sure. We just remove, we just, we just undownload it. You just remove it from local storage and in everything is back to normal. So, uh, you know, depending on, on sort of, you know, what your personal um, you know, scenario is when you're in your car, you're getting on a flight, you know, he's really optimized around, I want access to something right now and I didn't plan ahead. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's most people's thing. And like the best thing that I've found to date before kind of um, you and I met was piling a bunch of movies on an external hard drive and then basically yeah. plugging it into a Mac and or well or a laptop I should say and then either copying those movies or to the to lo the local hard drive or or trying to copy them to a bunch of devices like the night before I was to travel which like you said is sometimes you forget sometimes you don't want to watch that movie and carrying a hard drive around with your entire movie collection like you don't want to lose that right you worry about that stuff so, yeah yeah like, like it's just it's inconvenient yeah it you know the biggest thing because those are the exact same things that i went through and, and i think the biggest thing is is that it just always requires you to plan ahead right yeah you, you always have to think okay well you know before i leave i have to go i have to remember to do something and I, look i don't know what everyone else is like but in my life like i almost never remember to do that stuff sure there me are either. countless times to where you know before we built unity i'm like oh i want to watch that movie that i have that i haven't seen yet it's like oh great and put it on my phone right so or you know it's it's an album that i bought that you know i'm not going to be able to download from itunes onto my phone because there's no storage so this is continuously these scenarios to where I'm trying to figure out what it is I have to remember to do before I go do it. And, and you know, a lot of people, it's just, it's just not convenient for them. Certainly it wasn't for me such to the extent that I wanted to start a company to fix it. 
Sure. So I'm curious, though, to know a little bit more um, kind of about the tech side of things. Like you're basically optimizing files on the fly for the device they're going to. You must have some pretty good processing and server power in the back end to kind of do that on the fly. Well, we have an unfair advantage to companies even like Netflix and others, and I know that's kind of a bold statement, but okay. bear with me and it'll make a lot of sense. I mean, sure. you know, Netflix is an, an immensely powerful company with a lot of resources and probably as much computing power as anyone else out there, but they've got a problem with the way that their architecture is set up that, that puts them at a disadvantage, and that is they always have to plan for capacity. What are the maximum number of people? that are going to connect to, let's say, our streaming servers and always be ready for that. And then all of a sudden, peak times, everyone's talking to those servers and they slow down. So if, it, if, if you've experienced what I have, there's those times where starting your Netflix video takes totally. a minute, maybe even more, right? Sometimes yep. it just keeps doing that for like a minute and a half and then just stops. With Unity, you're talking to your computer. How many people are accessing that computer and streaming your content when you're trying to do that? Nobody. To your computer. Sure. So, you know, when you look at the modern laptop or desktop, those are more or less server-grade pieces of hardware. They're very, very powerful. They've got a lot of resources, especially when you consider that, that it's, we're only making it stream maybe a song at a time or a movie or, or send over several photos or a document. So, you know, the unfair advantage we have is, is that the average person's computer is quite powerful, and they're the only one accessing it. So we have almost an unlimited amount of resources for that uh, in the sense of what we need to use it for. It's just far, far more powerful than, than what we even require. And, and that's why what will happen is the moment you select, let's say, a movie that is, let's say it's a five gig movie that some feature film on your home computer, we can transcode that, put it on the wire, and have it be playing on your phone in, on average, under five seconds. And it's never peak demand because you're the only one accessing it. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that, that's actually really interesting to me. So is there, I guess, like, I'm curious to know, like, obviously, I've seen the interface and whatnot. I'm curious to know kind of um, what can the user kind of expect from kind of the an interface in the sense that, I, like it, it from what I know about the product, basically you've kind of broken them up into like a music category, a videos category, a photos category, files, and then kind of a sharing sharing category. Are you guys looking at expanding outside of those categories, or or kind of what's the future that you guys are, are kind of see you know that you're going to add kind of in 2016, or or where do you want to take this thing? Right, so there's, there's a couple big initiatives that we have this year. One is, is that we won't be expanding what it is that we do within our app because, quite frankly, it, it does, if anything, too much, right? Okay. It, it allows you to access your music and your video, your videos, your home video, your, your TV shows, your movies, everything, all your photos, right, and your documents. Sure. So, so really, it's, it's, you know, for most startups, I'd recommend don't, don't do things like that because it's just way too broad. Sure. Um, so we're certainly not going to be expanding our coverage. What we will be doing is expanding the platforms Unity runs on. So right now, when you install Unity on your computers, it will let you from your, your iPhone stream all of the content on those computers to your phone anytime you want. Uh, later on in March, we'll be releasing an Android app 
So we'll finally have uh, Android in the mix to expand the platforms. And the Android app will more or less be the same as the iPhone app. Okay. So for Android users can now also stream content directly to their phones. We will then be introducing our desktop software. And this changes the way you use Unity on your, on your computer because instead of it just serving content to your phone, you'll actually be able to use Unity in the entire UI we have in a, in a similar way that appears on your phone, but obviously with a much bigger screen, access all the content across your computers. So you could be on your laptop accessing things that are on your desktop in a different location Interesting. and vice versa. So the desktop software will become much more functional the way that the mobile app is. And then lastly, it is that we want to begin building inroads with uh, online storage partnerships, uh, the first of which we're completing um, now and we'll be releasing in the next few months. But what this will do is this will, this, we, we like to think of this as, as making online storage vastly more useful. Because like I said, it, it, it's hard. Most people don't pay for online storage because it's a bit complicated and it's a bit pricey. What we believe, though, is, is that we can make it far more useful. We can make it to where you don't have to manage putting stuff into the cloud or thinking about what's there and what isn't or how to organize that storage. We can take care of all of that for you so that when you want to access something, you simply go into that same convenient UI for looking at your music and picking your favorite playlist and then playing it. So the big things are expanding our platforms and, and integrating with online storage so that we can drive more utility, not only for our users, but also in those big markets with those big companies. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and being able to index content and access content that I have online and on you know, my many different computers and devices is actually really useful for pretty much everybody nowadays because everybody has at least a like a computer and a phone they they might even have a tablet they might even have a second phone they might have a couple of tablets they might even have another computer right so it's just the more and more you kind of get into this the more and more you realize that how how scattered all our stuff is right and pulling it into one exactly. interface is awesome yeah exactly so i am curious though to know at at some point have you ever thought about maybe streaming full applications to different devices, or is that just not really in the roadmap ever? Well, it's not in the roadmap now. We've, we've actually had a lot of people ask about that. And, okay. And I, I like to think, you know, it, it's easy for companies, sort of especially ones that have broad value propositions like us, to say, well, how do we get bigger? And quite frankly, I think we're too big, at least in terms of our technology already. I, you know, I, I really believe that, that the best tech companies build platforms that other people can work with and we can we can both mutually increase our markets. And and this sounds similar to how I describe online storage. A lot of people look at us and say, well, wow, with Unity, I don't need online storage. That's partially true. If you have a computer at home, you can just have Unity, you know, always make that that content available to you on your phone. But that's not really what it's designed for. Online storage is a good product. I, I mean, I, I couldn't live without it, Sure. but it's a different product from what we do. And applications that are out there, you know, they're becoming more and more desktop, web, and mobile so that they're cross-platform. So I'm not sure that we need to do anything around the application space. Um, you know, we've seen other companies that, let's say, let you look at photos and integrate, you know, other third-party SDKs to edit those photos and do things to them. 
And, and I don't know that that's worked well for a lot of those companies. In fact, most of them have stopped. So I, I really want to solve the problem of access. Mm-hmm. When it comes to other things, whether it's photo editing or, you know, other other things like that, I don't really want us to get into into that space and encroach, you know, in those other markets. It's going to detract us from, I think, doing what we do best for our users. No, I, I think, like, you bring up – I, I kind of asked you that question because – I knew that was going to be your response. And I think you bring up a really interesting point there is like you have a platform, you have a, a objective, you've met that objective and like you get these requests from people to add features that aren't true to your core business or, or kind of mission, right? And it makes a lot of sense to just like say, yeah, that's a good idea. But that's not for us, right? And and that makes a lot of sense. And I think sometimes startups just chase after um, almost like their customers' feedback and, and tails a little bit and say like, oh, if we add this feature, we're going to get a bunch more um, clients. But But you end up like just having this crazy fragmented product that nothing really works well because you kind of went down all these kind of tangents that – you know, wasn't really true to your core of what you, the reason you built the product for. Yeah, that's, that's really common. I mean, what you're describing is, you know, a lot of companies, they pivot very, very quickly. Sometimes it's really prudent to pivot your business, right? Sometimes you're looking at what you, you have a hypothesis and, you know, on market demand and it's just wrong, right? Um, And you need to realize that if if it is wrong, then you need to, you need to adjust it. You need to find, you know, what is right. Maybe it's something very similar. Maybe it's something totally different. So I I do think the pivot for a lot of companies is, is very, very legitimate for us. You know, we're pretty unconventional. Um, There is, there's absolutely a market for what we do. It, 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 that market is is essentially the entire developed world. There are hundreds of millions of people in the U S that hit our, our primary uh, user characteristics of two computers and a smartphone. So we, we know there's a market. The problem is, is that not, no one has ever built anything like this. So it's hard to develop that market. That said, you, you know, we deeply believe in what it is we're doing. It's very, very technical. It requires a lot of investment. So, you know, we've always been a company that is building big software in a day, in a modern age to where, People, you know, a lot of investors, you know, don't want to invest in big software. And a lot of users are accustomed to using little tiny software called mobile apps or, or you know, online services and things like that. So we're, we're very unconventional, but what we're doing is incredibly demanding. So it, it's really taken a lot of commitment on our part to not, to not prematurely just throw in the towel and say that we're going to move on to something easier. Um, so, you know, we're, we're maybe a bit different than a lot of companies and I've got a lot of friends whose startups have pivoted and they've made really smart choices doing that. Um, in our case, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see, you know, how being different works in this day and age. Sure. No, but I think that's important. And I, I love the companies like you guys that are solving like a real problem with, and it's hard, right? Like you're not what you're doing isn't easy, like you mentioned, right? Like it's complicated. There's a lot going on in the background. And I think what, what the user, uh, you think people that aren't in the tech space, what they don't understand, the easier it is for the user to use, the more work it is for the design and development team and the more complexity sure. that's going on in the background. And I'm not complaining. I'm just, that's the reality of it, right? And True. No, that's true. Yeah. And like I work in, I've worked in software for a number of years and I understand that and trying to explain that to people sometimes, like, 
Sometimes people get that, sometimes people don't get that. But and, and that's why like partly like like why Apple's done so well and other companies have done so well that are because their stuff's so simple, but there's so much work that goes on to make that stuff really simple. Yeah, and, and you know, there's no shortage of feature requests when it when it comes to our user base looking for more features and the truth of the matter is a lot of times the feature requests are fantastic features, right? Sure. I mean, they're, they're things that we've maybe already thought of and, and internally have been on our roadmap that we want to do. But, you know, I, I would say that as soon as you throw software out into the real world, you know, you stop being able to develop it in the way that, that you can before it's out there. You now have to support it, right? Before you, you launch it, you're just developing it. Once you launch it, you're also supporting it. And that really changes the dynamic within a company and its, its objectives and goals, because not only do you have to make it sure it's keep, it keeps working with the wide variety of use cases and products and scenarios that people use it in, um, you know, you have to try and grow it. So it, it's one of these things to where, you know, you, you have to be judicious. When I look at our roadmap, you know, there's, there's a variety of things that, you know, make Unity a lot more fun, being able to stream Unity to, um, your TV, not just stream it to your TV, but have an app on the TV sure. um, or integrate it with things like CarPlay from Apple or, yep. you know, Android's car, um, in-car solution. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of fantastic things that we look at that, you know, it's extremely excited for us to do because, quite frankly, I'm going to be using them myself. Sure. Uh, but, but, you know, it's one of those things to where sometimes you have to bite the bullet and get a lot of other things done, uh, which, which sometimes frustrates your users. They want to see you add new features. But you're concerned that you don't just break the product by doing that continuously. No, I, I think that's really good advice. And I think a lot of people, especially kind of new people into the startup space, kind of forget about that, right? And I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's good It's good that you're mentioning that. I think it's really useful advice for people. Um, one thing I am curious about, though, is how do you guys plan on monetizing this? Yeah, so... We have the benefit of, of our users because we don't store anything, right? Sure. We don't have any, like I said, that, you know, what we store about you is your username and password, right? Password's obviously an encrypted hash, and your username is just your email account. Yeah. So our users are, are very, very, very affordable for us. We haven't had pressure to monetize what I would say is prematurely. Okay. And it's given us the ability to really sort of understand which people do we want to monetize and which do we, do we not. Right. Okay. Interesting. We don't want to. It's not realistic to monetize everybody, but but we do think that because, especially because of our cost structure, we can get more and more people to use the product and not have to pay us. So for okay. us, what we've spent the last you know four to six months doing is is understanding where is that line in the sand, if you will, to where you have the casual user versus the power user, and what are the things that those power users do. And the, the, the only real word I can use to describe the power user is reliance, right? Their, okay. their usage of the product is more around their reliance on, on how it gives them access. Um, so, you know, we've been, we've been figuring out what are the four, five, six you know, features that only get used by some people some of the time so that we can say, okay, the premium version of our product is really structured around those people who've come to rely on it. And, and I, think, I think we're close to having that um, locked up and we'll start building our paywall in the next couple of months. It'll probably be before summer that we launch the, uh, the paid version of Unity, the premium plan. Okay. And, and it'll likely have some, something between four or five features that, 
that um, are specific to people who use the product a whole bunch. The benefit is, is that because, again, our users are so inexpensive in terms of the cost to support them, we won't have to charge very much for the premium version of Unity. We can charge three, maybe four dollars a month, um, you know, and still, you know, which, which puts us in the very lower end of the cost of online services out there comparatively. When you look at online stores, it's sure. 10, 15, 20 bucks a month. It's cheaper than a Starbucks um, you know, coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's like buying a, it's the cost of a cup of coffee each month. And, and you always have access. So, you know, the, the goal for us is, is to find the right mix of those features and also the right pricing so that the people who really love using our product are, if, if this is at all possible, and, and you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, you know, they're actually perfectly happy to pay. Sure. So I'm curious then, did you guys, are you self-funded? Are you, did you guys raise some money? And you don't have to talk numbers. I'm just curious to know kind of how you guys are funding this right now. We have. We, we originally raised a small, a relatively small angel round. Okay. Um, we then, we were then able to actually start working on, it was a hobby. Unity was a hobby uh, between my co-founder, Mike Abraham and I. Okay. Um, for a while, we, we really didn't know if it was going to be possible to even build it, quite frankly. Okay. Uh, ultimately, after about a year and a half or so, we realized it wasn't impossible. It was just really, really damn hard. So we, we raised a small bit of angel money. Uh, we were able to hire our first uh, you know, two additional full-time engineers. Okay. Um, that got us to a prototype that, that got us a seed round that actually let us hire you know, a couple more people that, that let us build product and take it to market. Uh, and it was last year that we raised our Series A financing. So we've, we've gone through a few rounds of, 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 of angel and institutional investment. And, you know, what, what is incredibly likely is, is that, you know, when you're building something this big, um, you know, I, I, my, the first company I started was Bootstrap. We self-funded it and we, we grew professional services revenue that funded the development of our software division. Um, you know, I've, so I've done it both ways where you self-fund and where, you know, you raise VC. Um, I, I'm not sure there is a best way. You know, there's, there's just the way that works for your company. And certainly for us, with as demanding as this technology is to build, um, and I think certainly as evidence to that, there is, you know, an absence of, of companies out there that are apparently competing with us because just no one builds software like we do. Sure. You know, we certainly will have to raise more money in the future at all likelihood. Sure. So I'm curious, you have an office in San Diego in Boulder, correct? That's right. Our engineering team is in Boulder, where Mike and I actually started the company. Okay. Um, and our business, product design, all of that is in San Diego. We, I would never, I would never encourage people to have remote offices or, or workers, really, because as, as things start to scale, it becomes incredibly difficult. But in our case, you know, Colorado's investment climate is not sufficient for, in my opinion, my personal opinion, it's not sufficient for building a big company, right? That needs okay. a lot of capital. Sure. Now I say that with there being a lot of companies that have raised a bunch of money in Colorado and, you know, big capital intensive companies that do really, really well. But the reality is, is that those are few and far between. And we need an investment climate to where we could raise money building a really complicated, you know, grandiose type of plan. California is, is, you know, just the most well-suited for that. Sure. Uh, so I moved back to California when we realized that we really wanted to make a go of it. Uh, we very quickly raised, um, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, and we were off to the races. We thought we'd consolidate, but we just realized that, you know, there's great reasons to do business in California. There's great reasons to do business in Colorado. And we just kind of kept it the way that it ended up being, co-located. 
Sure. No, I'm 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 curious to know as we're kind of coming to the end of the show, any tips for people that have kind of a similar situation where you kind of have a you know two offices and you're you're doing remote work though like any tools or tips that you find for collaboration or kind of getting things done because it like you mentioned it can be very tricky yeah i mean look the first advice i'd say and and i mean it as serious as any advice i can give don't do it okay i mean that, that that's absolutely the best advice like don't do it and, and okay. I, i've talked to countless people who are like well look at all these big companies that have workers all around the world it's like yeah yeah i know about all those companies don't do it anyway <laughs> all right okay so it, it's just like if there's anything you can do not to co-locate do that right i mean ultimately the reason we didn't is uh, we just have such a great team of people and i love working with all of them and we knew that everyone wouldn't stay if we consolidated in one place. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, it just, it, it would have broken my heart to not be working with the people I work with. I, I love what we're doing and I love the people I'm working on it with. Sure. And, and so we didn't consolidate, but I got to say, you know, if, if you don't have that emotional attachment to your team, absolutely don't co-locate your company, put it in one place. It makes everything better a hundred percent of the time. So that said, if you are co-located, I think you really have to find tools that let the teams to the greatest extent possible feel like they're interacting with one another. So in our offices, we have big giant TVs with um, like HD video streaming between them so that if we're going to have a meeting, it's always, you know, quote, face to face. It's over. It's over video. Okay. Um, you know, you, you've got to do, you've got to spend money on travel. So people get to, you know, spend time with one another and hear one another. But the biggest problem with co-locating is, is that, especially if it's broken up by function in the way that, that ours is, there's no cross-pollination of information and, and activity, right? So you just end up with people really, quite frankly, just not knowing what's happening. Sure. Right. The, the marketing team just doesn't understand what dev is doing and maybe why our lease is taking longer. And the dev team doesn't understand why are certain decisions being made that result in us getting certain designs or roadmaps or things like that. And, and that is that that is an enormous danger to any company. What you really want is people to feel connected to decisions and activity. So, you know, you have to find ways that that people are able to feel connected to what's happening, to the decisions, to the activity, to the strategy, uh, because ultimately that, that's what will result in, in apathy internally and, and certainly in turnover. Sure. No, Eric, we're, we're out of time, but let's close the show with kind of promoting where people can find um, you guys online and any other social media links you want to promote. Sure. So you can uh, you can check us out, learn more about what Unity does at www.getunity.com. Uh, Unity is Y-O-U-N-I-T-Y. Uh, our software is free, so go to the website, download it to your computer, uh, put it on your phone after that. Uh, we always love hearing what users are doing with it and, and what we ought to do next. Um, we're on Facebook, um, so we're 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 on Twitter at hash at a, at a, you know Twitter slash getunity. Um, so uh, check us out. Um, let us know what you think, uh, and uh, you know we we hope that we get to keep doing this for a long time and keep making it a lot better month by month. Again, man, I really appreciate you doing this. This has been awesome. Um, you know, I look forward to following your progress throughout the rest of the year and beyond. And I think what you're doing, you guys are doing, is really cool. So 
you know, I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and thanks again for doing this. Thanks so much, Kevin. It was great talking to you. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. And keep going in the future.